Our gospel lesson for today comes from Luke chapter 2. It'll also serve as the basis for our sermon today. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Joy has dawned upon the world, promised from creation. God's salvation now unfurled hope for every nation, not with fanfares from above, not with scenes of glory, but with a humble gift of love, Jesus, born of Mary. Sounds of wonder fill the sky with the songs of angels as the mighty prince of life shelters in a stable. Hands that set each star in place shaped the earth in darkness. Cling now to a mother's breast, vulnerable and helpless. Heavenly Father, as we ponder these things tonight, be with us and increase in us an appreciation for their meaning in our life, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever considered how the, the likability of a change is directly tied to its benefit? It's not tied to the size of the change itself. You might think that. You might think that like really big changes could have a really big impact and little changes might have a little impact, but really the likability, whether you like a change or not, it's directly tied to how you view the benefit of the change. 
Some of the biggest changes that we experience in life are family unit changes. Think about when a husband and wife get married, that's a huge change. When a baby is born, massive change. It almost doesn't seem worth it to compare marriage or the birth of a child to getting a new pair of shoes. The likability of a change is connected to the benefit, not so much to the size of the change itself. Because marriage and the birth of a child have this immense potential to, to bless us, we can find great joy in huge changes. But if a, a pair of shoes hurts, doesn't fit quite right, it can be awful. Tiny little changes can be very unpopular if they don't have a, a big benefit. Christmas is this time of year when things don't usually change all that much. If you're anything like the house that I grew up in, we, we like it when our traditions stay the same. You try to change a Christmas tradition, you're messing with, with memories. You're messing with nostalgia. You're messing with history. The benefit of, of so many Christian traditions is tied to the history that we place with it, the people that once were with us, the, the places we once were. And so when we replicate Christmas traditions from the past, when we try to hold on to things and, and make sure that they don't change, we're saying there's value in not changing. What good could possibly come from messing with our Christmas traditions? During a time of year when we're not all that fond of changing, it's good for us to chew on the fact that the birth of the Son of God was a radical change. In fact, Christmas is all about change. Now, I don't know what it's like to be a, a shepherd 2,000 years ago on the night watch. So let's just think about that for a minute. I imagine that at a time when there was no light pollution, it would have been pretty neat, right? When you could see the stars, the galaxies, in all their brilliance. If you had a slow night, if the sheep weren't running away, if the lion that you saw a couple days ago didn't try to sneak its way into your camp, if you could just lay there and enjoy the night sky, that, that sounds kind of relaxing, right? And I got a hunch that more often than not, the, the night watch probably wasn't all that eventful. But then there would have been those nights that were, right? When that wolf that you saw did come in and you find yourself trying to battle off a wolf with a stick in the dark, I got a hunch if that happened, you'd remember it for a while. But they had never experienced this. This night was something they would never forget. It changed everything for them. I think I've tended to always think of the angel's appearance as something that happened up, like these angels. Like the shepherds are out in a field outside of Bethlehem keeping watch over their flocks, and all of a sudden, boom! They're all looking up like this, and there's these angels, and one of them's talking to them. But that's not the picture that Luke paints. 
in our translation, in verse 9, you heard an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Luke literally says, an angel of the Lord stood by them. So here I am, standing by you, you're being good Lutherans, leaving the front empty. So here I am, standing with you. Do you think the angel was like this far away? Or do you think it was more like, like this? Boom, angel, right in front of you. Here we are. Can you picture it? I'm not very glorious. But all of a sudden, there's an angel right in front of them, standing with them like this, in their midst. And glory from heaven, all around. A little different than the night sky, even on its most glorious night. And you might think to yourself, well, it was the appearance of the angels that was a game changer. That changed everything. The fact that they saw these angels, everything would change. Nothing would ever be the same for them again. But it wasn't the appearance. It was the message. Listen to what that angel said once again. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, if the angel had said to them, a rabbi has been born, a teacher has been born, or maybe a mentor has been born to you, or to use some of the more popular language today, a life coach has been born to you. That would suggest that while change is needed, the potential for change is within you. It just needs to be brought out. You need a teacher to teach you how to change. You need a mentor to guide you along on the process of change. You need a life coach to give you a massage and a pep talk and and help you understand what's really inside. Then you can make the change. But that's not what the angel says. The angel says a savior has been born to you. And if you've been around a Christian church for any amount of time, you've probably been conditioned to hear the good news in that. And there is good news in that. But it's also a heavy truth. If a Savior has been born to you, that means the potential to change is not in you. It means you can't make the change needed to get out of the jam that you're in. You need help from outside. You need saving. But the change is needed. And deep down you know that. Your heart craves something different. You want change. On my way out to Shawano today to preach to the folks at Divine Savior for that 4.30 service, I wove my way through Howard and then Pulaski and then Shawano to four different places. To four people who would have loved to have been in a church, but couldn't. 
to one with advanced Parkinson's who just had all his teeth pulled out last week and didn't sleep for a minute last night. Another who's got severe edema and was flattening her back in a chair and I haven't seen her move for years. Another who was found by a friend about a month ago, almost dead, but not quite. Laying on the floor in his room, dehydrated. He's getting better, but he still can't live on his own. Another guy who just had his leg amputated, severe diabetes. Is this what we're all looking forward to? Is this what life's all about? Lived your best life until you end up stuck in a box, people coming to take care of you? You want more than that, don't you? Isn't there something inside of you that wants life that doesn't end? That wants a body that doesn't break down, fall apart? come to a screeching halt? Isn't there something in you that, that wants to be with people that you love and never fight? Isn't there something in you that wants more than, than this? There is. But the only way to have what you want is to be right with God. It's the only way. You have to have a perfect relationship with God. You have to be on his level so that you could be where he is, so you could be with him, sustained by him, blessed by him forever and ever and ever. We're not like him. We have to change. Big change is needed. Change that's so far beyond us God has to be the one to do the change. And long ago, he promised that. He promised to change us. But in order for him to change us, something would have to change for him. Listen again to that promise from Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. And that's just one example. A long time before Jesus was born, God promised that he would be born that he would take on flesh, that he would become human. Human beings are constantly throwing out suggestions for life changes. And some of them can be blessings. Maybe you've experienced that. You make a little change in your life. You make a commitment to do something differently, to approach something differently, and you find blessings. But none of those things, none of those choices, none of those changes can result in what you really want. None of them result in this eternal paradise. People say, if we just pass this one referendum, then everything's going to be better for the youth, for a whole generation. 
If we could teach everyone to love themselves first, then they'll be able to learn how to love others. Those are just two silly examples. But humans are constantly putting out new solutions, new ideas, new changes. If we just try this, maybe. Same problems. Our attempts to change things will result in the same problems. We're still going to die. These bodies are still going to break. We're never going to experience what we want if we rely on our own change. And that's when we hear about the change that God was willing to go through. Exchanging a throne for a manger. Think about that for a second. The God who demonstrated his limitless knowledge, his flawless wisdom, his limitless power in all that he has created. Just think about the systems that work in our bodies. The the, the programming of nature, water cycling, oxygen out, CO2 in. All the amazing examples of God's knowledge and his wisdom and his power all around to see that God was born. The God who's present everywhere, who fills all things, who's so much bigger than us, our, our minds cannot grasp it, was born so small and so helpless that he was completely reliant on his mother for everything. God was willing to exchange his throne for a manger. A massive change. What was the benefit? How could that be a likable change for him? I'm looking at the benefit. He wants you. And believe it or not, he wants me. He wants us to be with him forever. He wants us to have what our hearts crave. Life without death. An existence where these bodies don't break. Where the body itself is changed. No longer perishable, but imperishable. No longer mortal, but immortal. And the only way for that to happen was for him to be born, to take on flesh and blood, and to go to a cross that would become an altar. And you know what happens at altars. His his life the life of the God-man. The blood of the God-man was poured out as a sacrifice for all. It's the only way the angel's words could be true. Listen again to what they said. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The only way that the birth of this child could be for all the people as if he finished his work. If he went to an altar and laid out his life as a sacrifice for all. Please understand that the celebration of Christmas is so much more than nostalgia. It is so much more than warm fuzzies by a fire and time spent with the people you love the most. This is the celebration of the birth of God's own son. 
come to save his people from their sins, come to save you and come to save me. A savior is born to change the world and he changed the world by changing you and by changing me. And because he changed you, as he purified you with his blood, sin's gone, right relationship with God, you will be changed again. Because he did not just die, he rose from the dead. And he promises you and he promises me that these bodies will be changed, really changed, made so that they won't get Parkinson's or edema. We won't die of dehydration have a leg amputated. We won't get older and start falling apart. Our bodies will be changed because Jesus has changed our relationship with him. He is the only source of change that can give you what your heart truly craves. Eternal paradise. And thanks to him, that is what you have. That is something that is worth celebrating. There's a reason that this message was followed not by a handful of angelic soldiers, but by a multitude. A multitude of the heavenly hosts. And you know what hosts are? It's an army. This is God's angelic army. They surround the shepherds. And what do they say? Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. My prayer for you this Christmas is that your celebration would look different. My prayer for you is that your celebration of this moment would look different than everyone else who doesn't know what Christmas actually means. Each and every one of you knows someone who celebrates this season, hoping that the season itself will give them what they want, that the nostalgia, that the time with family, that the warm fire, that a gift will satisfy the longing of their heart, and you know that is not true. You know that what they think will give them what they know they need, will not work. Celebrate in a way that helps others see what you're celebrating. Celebrate in a way that says, this is not just American nostalgia. This is the celebration of the birth of God's son. This changes everything. Merry Christmas. Amen.